I believe that my worst investment I could do it was not to listen and environment, not to absorb what people do as from the beginning. Instead of this, I invested into my alter ego, which drove me into insanity because I believe that everybody's going to give me the work without asking for the work. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. To reduce risk in your life, go to myworstinvestmentever.com today and take the risk reduction assessment I created from the lessons I've learned from more than 500 guests. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy, and I'm here with featured guest, Mario Beckish. Mario, are you ready to join the mission? Absolutely, Andrew. Absolutely. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, I'm happy to have you on, and let me introduce you to the audience. Mario Bekish began his career with the Department of Defense Republic of Croatia in military police security services for seven years. In 1998, he worked for the Department of Foreign Affairs, Republic of Croatia, in Security Intelligence Services, secondment in Republic of Croatia Consulate General in Sydney for a further five years before founding Insight Intelligence in 2003. Mario, take a moment and share with us the value that you bring to this wonderful world. Andrew, first of all, thank you again for having your podcast. And I like to say what you do, is, it's a great mission. And Person without mission, not with a mission, without mission, it's lost. And I say this from my personal experience. The day when I left government service, I find myself in a bed and believing I know everything around me, but I lost the mission. I need to find this one. And it's a very common thing to people mistake civilian life with the, with the military. It's the same. We are on a mission either help somebody through our services and our knowledge and our experiences, or we are working for somebody else mission. And that was my course. Thank you for loving introduction. I'm the child of communism, 14 years old. My parents kicked me out on a Christmas Eve. My grandfather took me under his wing. He was the second in charge of communist secret police in Yugoslavia, sent me military school. And, you know, like I believe it, I'm going to be the great general one day. <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Four years later, civil war broke out in Yugoslavia, and I found myself on intersection 18 years old, and I went in a war. I'm grateful for my government and uh, people who uh, supported me on my quest. And I heard that expression, Andrew, maybe you're going to agree with me. It's not what you are by nature, but what you are by nurture. And on that part, I met a few people who helped me to build my curriculum, educating me in intelligence, human intelligence, counterterrorism and other aspects of the intelligence work. And then subsequently, the one day I decided to resign from military and told me you can't resign as you want because you are <laughs> our investment. And somehow I've been transitioned from the Department of Defense to the Foreign Affairs Intelligence Sector. There was called Directorate 7, fancy name. And I've been sent in Australia. Now, my knowledge is been all around intelligence and investigation. And you know that moment, Andrew, when somebody took it advantage in your life. Well, I'm here that that doesn't happen again. And I built my business, Insight Intelligence, around 
three pillars of my business, three acts. One is a fear, fight, and freedom. People have the fear of losing money, losing reputation, losing the intellectual property. Then the fight, I take a fight for my clients, I call the fight. Fight in terms that we are fighting for against the criminal activities, against the fraud, industrial espionage. And of course, the freedom. Freedom is the most important element of all this because when we're investigating or we are doing information management, which is covering industrial espionage, you know, analysis of the competitors, it's a freedom that they can do the work without interruption. And that's the, my abundant knowledge. And again, my company doesn't exist because it's just for me, but my company just exists because of the people who are working with me in my company. So that's the, what I'm bringing to this world. Great. And let me ask you about that. What type of clients, you know, for the listeners out there to understand your business, maybe you can describe the type of is it individuals? Is it companies? Is it big companies, small companies? What type of people come to you for your services? I started with my worst investment, and I invested in people around me who uh, told me that they can bring me the clients. And then I realized that nobody can bring in the clients mm. but myself. Yep. And I had a one, one single approach. And, you know, I literally told my future clients, give me one case. And that one case was related to the insurance company. Insurance companies investigating claims, claims in terms of fraud, workers' compensation, CTP, life insurance, suspicious deaths, fires. And that was my start, you know, that's what I'm supporting. That's where the, my backbone of my business it is, it's insurance and financial sector, where we provide factual and surveillance investigations in terms of investigating claims, non-genuine fraudulent claims. So my client started as an individual, and then the growth into the corporations, corporations in terms of pharmaceutical, and then I was going into the defense and those sectors, right? But first, I need to break the barrier. Mm. It was difficult for me because my English is not my first language. Secondly, people don't trust ex, you know, that look like a Russian mafia rather than, you know, the, the professional. But I need to take that stigmata and the push so that my clients, it's very, you know, from the small to medium-sized businesses, and as well, you know, we have the quite a bit large organizations in financial mm. insurance and banking sector. So my last question about your business that I was just curious about was, majority of the time, do people come to you when they're in trouble or they come to you to prevent trouble? Well, it, it's a two groups of the clients. You know, first clients, which we're going on a regular basis, they send us the claims because, you know, every year renewing the SLAs, they're reviewing our work. And then there comes the clients, as you say, who has a problem. And Andrew, you have the more experience with this one, and I'm the last person that coming, and that's what it is when they don't do proper choices, due diligence with the business partner, background checks on employee, when they start missing money, you know, the internal tech. That, I'm the last person that coming to, mm. and only reason why they're coming to me because they make it wrong choices at the beginning, so they're coming to me with the, the problems rises, right? So part of one group which we put in corporate clients on daily basis individuals coming and interesting painful to see how the people should do better decisions in life mario actually i am the second to last person that they come to why because why? one of my services is what i do is called outsource cfo okay. basically what we do is we generally go to companies to ceos and owners of companies that are struggling with their accounting and finance yeah. There's a lot of reasons why people are struggling with accounting and finance, and one of them is fraud. 
people who are defrauding a company tend to leave a mess that is very difficult to untangle. And also you have just incompetence and other, other things, you know. So for companies that don't spend the time and the effort to build the right accounting system with the right people, they end up in a mess. And it's very hard to untangle that mess. And that's what we do in our outsourced CFO. And then what ends up happening is we usually will start to uncover if there's fraud, we'll start to uncover that. And then I think then we're going to have to hand them over to you. Mario, <laughs> I wish I wish that people, including me, including me, I know people like yourself, and I think it's somehow natural that we all have a tendency to do bad decision making. However, if you have a consistent decision making, which reflecting your finances, your business, and anything else negatively impacting, I think that people like yourself, Andrew, should be there on all fronts and help the people. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, the, the best advice that I give people is that to kind of solve this problem is before it happens is just make sure that your accounting team delivers you monthly financial statements that are always on time and always accurate. If you can consistently have them deliver that to you, then chances are you don't have a problem with your accounting and finance. And so I agree. I agree to get to that point is hard for a lot of people, but yeah. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Well, I look, I, I try to find the proper words, you know, and it's not that I have no, my worst investment was actually myself. I think that that was a, arrogance and ego. And I said that part of myself very, very much. I believe it that the world owes me. I believe that nobody doesn't know things like as I do. And uh, most importantly, I wasn't prepared to learn nothing. I truly believe that I know things better even than Andrew thought and people who do this business. And I believe that my worst investment I could do it was not to listen and environment, not to absorb what people do from the beginning. Instead of this, I invested into my alter ego, which drove me into insanity because I believe that everybody's going to give me the work without asking for the work. Mm. So my worst investment was not investing myself in learning how to run the business. So the operational aspect of the business run investigation was not a problem. The worst thing was that I believe it one day when I have the beautiful business card, which I didn't have no money going to print, you know, beautiful desk and everything else. I invested into the exterior, right? Rather than interior me. And then I was for two years, I was struggling to understand what's happening for me. Mm. Subsequently, Andrew, that was with, that led to the hiring people who I believe they can bring me things. You know, and heavily hefty money, and at the end of the day, being dumped. So I believe that my worst investment was in not investing in myself to learn properly from people like yourself. So, can you remember a specific day or period of time where you really realized I'm in trouble and I've got to figure out how to get out of this? Absolutely, I can. Of course, absolutely, I can. Pointing to September 2014. It was my turning point. I did have some experience in personal level in my business when I realized that I should act differently and should noticing the changes in my business and the people working for my business. 
but I ignored because I real, you know, in all honesty, every businessman should be aware of the one thing. When you're going up, you need to continue going up. But if you say like, okay, now it's beautiful, I laid back, things start changing. And I lost that, I lost sight of my business. And again, I fed my ego. And mm. of course, you know, that cost me a lot of money and a lot of suffering emotionally and, and, and mentally. But yeah, 14th of September, 2014. So how would you... It's good that it's far away because sometimes our worst investment can be even very close and yeah. then it's really painful. But so how would you describe the lessons that you learned from this? That I need to learn. I need to learn. So I, nobody can know everything what he does and we all know how to run our business. Sorry, how to operationally run the, our services. But what we need to be prepared to learn and which I take it later in my life, last five years, it's to be associate myself with the people as yourself, your profile, to enhance my understanding of the business, environment changing, because nobody questioned my knowledge of investigation and intelligence, but I wanted to see how my business can be more prosperous, more profitable, not just for me, but for my clients, how to mm -hmm. streamline things, how to do investment in the people, who I need to hire, who I need to look how to hire people, so it's not just, you know, hype inside of me. You know, now I take a deep breath. Do I need something? And I think about this and, you know, other aspects. You say something very interesting. Finances. Money needs to be controlled. And I have the poor understanding how to do the bookkeeping. I just give the, you know, accountant. And it wasn't a smart idea because they don't care. Mm. And all that. Yep. Yep. I didn't know what they need to do. So that was my subsequently. Uh, correlation between the bad happenings and the good happenings. The last five years, I invested myself to learn from, from, from people who are in business longer than me and are very smart people like this. Maybe I'll share what I take away from what you're Please. saying. It reminds me of the book, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And that book is a great book that describes about how we are technicians or we're experts in a particular field. And then we think, oh, well, I don't want to work for a company anymore doing this. I'm going to set this up as my own business, you know. And he uses the example of a bakery or a person who's a baker or a plumber. And they say, you know, my boss is a jerk and this is no good. If I did this on my own, I could do it so much better. And then you go in to set up your own business, not realizing that the job of running a business is not the same job as being a specialist in an area. A job of running a business requires understanding of hiring, it's setting the strategy, setting up the accounting, you know, and finance system. And it's really a difficult job. And you have very little time to do the specialist work that you had enjoyed so much when you were working for this bad boss. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, it's so many people, you know, congratulations, you've survived that, but most people don't survive that. And they got to go back to the corporate world. So for the listeners out there who are either in the situation where Mario was in or you're planning on setting up your business with your specialized knowledge, go get that book, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. It will wake you up and help you to think about how you set it up because it's not only important that you build, that you hire the right people and that you set up the right accounting system, but you've got to design your product and service to be scaled. 
And when you're a specialist, it's all about you and you're, you know, producing a certain amount of output. But when you run a business, you got to think, how do I scale? So that's my main takeaway. Anything you would add to that? No, absolutely, Andrew. I always say the one thing, we are good in what we do. Maybe we specialize in some certain areas. But what I forgot, what I omitted to myself, and, you know, somebody who's been in a combat and, and I saw things in my life, how should we properly be planned and done? I lost sight on foundation. A foundation is your accounting, you know, your proper plan. You know, I was the guy. I don't need a plan. I know everything. I know everything. And it turns out it wasn't. So now it's my weekly plan. It's not anymore six months or one year. It's a weekly plan, which I'm meticulously working. And as you said, I like to check that book because it's very interesting. It looks like yeah. very interesting. But it's like foundations are very important. Our foundations can be only established through the people like yourself, Andrew, that they need to invest into that foundation rather than just exterior. Yeah, I think the other thing that I take away too is there's this the dilemma that we all face is that we can't become a master of everything. You're not going to go to school and study accounting for four years to get your accounting right in your small business. So there's a balance. You're going to have to delegate that. And right. then it's a question of how much do I need to know about this? How much do I need to be involved in this? Whether it's the marketing of the business, whether it's the operations of the business, whether it's the accounting of the business. And how do I make sure I'm delegating to the right people and making sure? Now, in the space of accounting and finance, I think the best thing to double check that you're doing it right is just have monthly financial statements, income statement, balance sheet produced by the accountant, and you review it every single month on the same day. Pick the 15th of every single month, and you stop for one hour, and you go through it. But for marketing and others, you know, it's, it's difficult and you're going to have to trust some people and some people are going to rip you off and not be what they thought that you thought they were going to be. But that's just part of the process of setting up a business. And it's why most of business fail because you make a couple mistakes in that area and then you could be knocked out. So you agree. I agree with you. Absolutely what you said. But uh, again, if we don't learn, we're going to fail. If we fail, you know, either we're going to pick it up ourselves or continue. But I agree with you what you say right now. You know, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a mistake being done. Yeah. So based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Absolutely. Before anybody goes into the business, you should clearly think, not just the one moment, but if you want for the some time, running business is not a fairy, fairy tale. You agree with me, Andrew. Running business requires a lot of sacrifices. And after all, I always say to my friend, I had a great friend of mine, and I tell this to my friend, it's easy for you. You go to work today, you get paid for your job. You get sick leave, you get annual leave, everything else. You get paid. I need to fight for the money, in general speaking. I need to fight for my invoices. I need to be constantly upfront, constantly be updated. And when you start running your business, I always come back to this thing. You know your strength. That's what your knowledge experience it is. But be prepared. That is a lot of sacrifices. A lot of persistence must be invested into the running business. And people always think it's hard to come on top. It's, I think it's always easier to come to top than to remain on the top. Because mm -hmm. that's the, because yeah, I'm not only hungriest one in the market, as my competitors. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing you can do is invest into proper planning, proper finance structure. Because once we have this on place, how are you going to run your business? Not operationally, but your 
strategic, you know, main objectives reaching every day yeah. and in future to the finances, to the planning and everything else need to be invested into people who knows CFOs and CEOs and who can help you to run that business because that's the reason why the people at Andrews Post exist. You know, so that's hmm. my, my takeaway. Got it. It made me think about the entrepreneurial journey is fear that we're going to fail, fight to make it survive, even though we make all these, you know, bad choices. And then the freedom that we eventually get after 10 years or whatever. That's, that's, that's correct. Andy. That's correct. Andy. That's, that's, uh, that's what I learned after many years, what I'm actually doing. So, you know, you come on networking events, which I'm coaching several executives mm. because they've been approached through the different channels, social engineering, and they become the, like a honeypot. They become used information for yeah. information they didn't know but my job is to prevent that from happening and when i talk to these very smart people like yourself you know they told me mari this is the fear you know what i mean i'm gonna lose it's like it's okay that's the my pillars actually instead of hi angel i'm doing investigations and like yeah okay mari you and everybody else so rather than i will customize this is what we're doing so people can relate and they can say okay this is what i need or i don't need Right. So what is a resource that you've created or you're doing or one that you'd recommend for our listeners? My resource is my book. I wrote it with Professor Clark Bowman. It's called The Workplace Investigation. It was a, a book I wrote it entirely. I added Professor Clive was an editor. It was a difficult for me, Andrew, because I felt like against English. But <laughs> subsequently... I entered into the program to finish my master's, which is another another subject left. But that is the book I created, particularly for the people who are interested in investigation, how to run investigation, not just when it comes to the fraud and criminal activity, but you can apply this on a daily basis for analyzing competitors or how to collect information about somebody or you know competitors for your employees or mm-hmm. So that's why all the asset hours refer to my clients and happy to share with all your listeners. Just contact the angel and I send you the copy. There's no fee. There's no the cost price. It's the knowledge to be shared. Got it. All right. Last question. What is your number one goal for the next 12 months? My number goal. I wish I can say my goal is a mission to help 1 million people. I cannot say that one now. But my mission it is to reduce internal theft, fraud, and criminal activities for all my clients, current and future ones, and to have the more prosperous business and abundant business rather than having sleepless nights, who's stolen from them and how stolen from them. That's my my goal. Beautiful. Well, listeners, there you have it, another story of loss to keep you winning. If you haven't yet taken the risk reduction assessment, I challenge you to go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now and start building wealth the easy way by reducing risk. As we conclude, Mario, I want to thank you again for joining our mission. And on behalf of A.E. Stotts Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Parting audience? <laughs> no, I don't. I'm just, I was so glued into what you're saying. You know, it's so mesmerizing and magnetic. No, I don't. You know, I just, I just stick with what, what we feel once, Andrew. Like, thank you very much for having me today. And I said, I, recommend everybody please listen to this podcast my worst investment first the name secondly the calls and i really enjoy it so thank you andrew for having me today on your show well that's a wrap on another great story to help us create grow and protect our well fellow risk takers this 
is the time to celebrate that today we added one more person to our mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.